This is a post-Christian podcast. We are the sacred collective. All are respected. All are heard. All are welcomed. Join us. Welcome to the Sacred Collective. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, we really love every one of our listeners. We do. Caleb's going to kind of lead us, not solely, um, about mental health because that's something we feel uh, in the Sacred Collective that's actually um, really important. And I actually, at my my other church that I'm a part of, actually had um, at our service last night a mental health professional come in and talk to us. And she had said something very striking and important that one in four adults in America has a mental illness. And more than half of those people don't even know they have one or is undiagnosed. So um, it's very important that we talk about it, um, give it um, the space that we need to talk about it. But before we dive in, um, we're going to do roll call. So I'm Brian. I'm Rachel. I'm Eric. Amanda. I'm Caleb. All right, sounds good. Um, Caleb, do you want to just kick us off? Yeah. Kind of why you thought it was pertinent to mm-hmm. talk about it. Yeah, so I'm I'm angry about this right now. I am I am emotionally worked up. As you were introing it just now, I started to actually honestly even get a little bit choked up. Like, I am very emotional about this right now. I have a very close loved one who has type 1 bipolar who has been in maybe like a stage of uh, maybe searching or, you know, kind of spiritual um, searching, you know, craving community, craving some form of spiritual fulfillment for the past few years. And when this person um, started, uh, I don't even know how much detail to go into. Okay, so the type 1 bipolar when this first started surfacing in their life, they started having psychotic breaks about every three months. Very, very intense psychotic breaks. Like, one might guess that this person were on drugs, you know, like on acid or something. Fully detached from any semblance of reality. Just in a in a very, I don't say ill in a negative sense, but in a very ill, in a very inflicted state mentally. Helpless in a lot of ways, and then deciding to search for some sort of meaning or some sort of fulfillment emotionally, spiritually, even human connectivity, like looking for people to relate with. Um, this person then chose, because this person came from a, a Christian background, chose to, uh, well, they found themselves at, at an, an IHOP, International House of Prayer, um, because they're a 24 hour place. Uh, so this person would get off work around midnight and then go. To the IHOP, and um, at first it seemed like they were just a welcoming, warm place. And I, you know, I am going to state this out loud: I am calling IHOP out because I, th- I have a lot of problems with this organization. I don't have any problems with somebody expressing what they believe, believing what they believe, pursuing that. That is fine. But when it infringes upon somebody else, especially someone who is searching, someone who is seeking, someone who is vulnerable, someone who is exposed and asking for help, and then being given something that is even more hurtful, not even snake oil, but like poison. Mm -hmm. So they're asking for medicine and then being, I think being given poison. And like I said, I I am emotional. I'm speaking quickly right now and I'm trying to not get too worked up about this, but anyhow, so, so this person, my friend uh, was in a state of searching. I saw this person have multiple manic breaks. I took this person to the hospital multiple times. Um, They were an inpatient 
um, maybe, I don't know, five times in a row, having psychotic breaks every three months, being hospitalized, inpatient program uh, for about two weeks at a time whenever this would happen. Anyway, so they go to IHOP looking for help, looking for answers, looking for friendship even on the most base level, and then being told to stop taking their lithium and they need to come into the back room and have hands laid on them and that they need Jesus, that there's a demonic interference going on here. If you believe that, I mean this, that is fine. You know, if if that is how you see the world, that is fine. But when someone tells a person who is one of the most close people in my life that they need to stop taking their lithium and they need to have hands laid on them and that all these answers are readily available. Also then honestly kind of implying that they are spiritually unwell and that they are lacking something that can be provided by this spiritual institution sickens me and makes my blood boil quite a bit. And so I guess just to give us a little bit of direction, and I'll shut up here in a sec, but just to give us a little bit of direction here, I'm, I'm wanting us to talk about how it's, it's okay to have your own beliefs and it's okay to have your own worldview and your own theology and your own philosophy and all that, but suggesting without any sort of, um, I don't know a better word than scientific, but yeah, uh, provable evidence that someone needs your esoteric metaphysical cure that they need to abandon any form of medication or even talk therapy, you know, or even, even just psych- psychology or psychiatry. Um, I think, no, it is, it is toxic and I've seen the harm that is done on people. I'm not even espousing that demonic possession is not real or that, uh, spiritual warfare is not real. All that I'm trying to bring up right now is that it is very harmful and I've seen the effects of this and they're all negative in my experience. Um, I think it's very harmful to, to convince someone, especially someone who's so vulnerable that that they are they just need you know Jesus or, or fill in the blank they need some sort of treatment that that honestly just involves a bunch of people in a, in a, a prayer room, which is what they call it. They have like doors labeled prayer room to lay their hands on them and pray pray the illness away in whatever form I guess. Yeah. Thanks for listening. I'm angry. Sorry. Thanks for listening. Well, no, I just thank you for your candidness and openness because when. I think most of us in this room, if it's safe to say, grew up evangelical. Um, and I know in the tradition that Amanda and I grew up, the Assemblies of God, uh, and I have no problem calling them out. There's a lot of great people in the Assemblies of God. Um, I'm not calling anyone's you know denomination or their background as wrong or, or whatever, but I was raised that if you had depression, if you had bipolar, if you had even anxiety, whatever whatever mental illness that you might have or you might struggle with, that don't take medicine, um, just pray it away. Mm-hmm. Pray it away, like Caleb said, get hands laid on you. And I'm not saying that some of that stuff can't help. I can't, I, I'm not going to say that uh, that might not help because it might, but to say that is the only thing that will help them mm-hmm. is just idiotic yeah. to me because... Um, psychiatrists, uh, therapists, counselors, any mental health practitioner, any doctor will say, if that's what you said, they might be like, yeah, you can have those views and that's nothing wrong with it. But to tell another person who is in need of that help, 
that that's all that they need, that's actually very, very harmful. And to and, stop doing the medicine or the treatments yeah. they're yeah. already in. That has been helping. That is observably, scientifically helping. Well, and, and what Caleb was saying is um, this woman at my church whose son uh, had type 1 bipolar 2, um, and lithium is the main thing they put you on if you're on bipolar, and it does help help uh, control it or, uh, or corral it, but it is a very, very, very powerful drug. And if you quit it, like cold turkey it's not like if you stop drinking caffeine like you're gonna have withdrawals and you're gonna get a headache or if you you know have like a nicotine attack if you stop smoking or doing that those are those are not even in the same league when you get off lithium and i've never been on it but hearing people who have had loved ones they were like that is so incredibly hard for them to get off of it because it literally it's messing with your your you know chemical chemical balances in your head and the wiring in your brain and to hear you know certain christians say oh just get off that that's actually probably putting their mental state in even a a worse place because you're telling them to get off of that when medical health professionals are saying no you need to be on this because this is helping you uh live a more you know uh better life and so I, I'm with you. I get really worked up about it, and and if I can just say this too, um, I actually have a close family member. I'm not going to obviously say their name, but this individual um, has struggled with bipolar um, her whole life. And one thing I didn't know, and that Caleb and I were talking earlier today, was that a lot of mental illnesses are actually um, hereditary. You don't just wake up one day and you're like, oh, I got bipolar or I got anxiety or chronic Mm -hmm. depression. Someone in your family had it. It could be a a parent. It could have been a grandparent or great-grandparents. There's things that, like, like I I know things I have, you know, not a mental illness, but, like, uh, uh, a propensity to have a certain, like, heart attack or something because maybe someone else in my family, not my parents, but, like, a grandparent will have it. Um but this individual's parent is a pastor and and pretty much was like they're all like oh you just prayed away uh it's because you're sinning in your life that's why you right, struggle yeah. with this and all that stuff and then the guilt comes and, in with that. And, well and then the guilt comes in oh, with that yeah. but like this mental health person that was at her church yesterday when she was talking she's like that is the most damning thing you can say to someone because we don't know as human beings Christians, not even religious people, even doctors, they don't know fully why these things happen in your head. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's not like cancer or a heart attack when we can pinpoint, like, these are the cancer cells. We see where the cancer is. Or, like, you have a bad heart. You know, like, my dad died of a heart attack, like, 15 years ago, and they could tell, like, he had a bad heart. But when you're dealing with a mental illness, you, you can't necessarily always look and, you know, like, Oh, this wiring's off. You're not getting this chemical. And so I'll get phone calls from other family members. Oh, did you hear what happened to the, you know, her? Or did you hear what, you know, she did? And they're almost kind of like, oh, yeah, it's because of her, you know, bipolar. And so they almost, like, make fun of it. And I have to, stand, you know, kind of put my foot down and be like, stop making fun of that. That is, A, that's not something, especially as all of us in our family as Christians, a, that's not something that you should ever joke about. Um, it's very real to them. And 
if you think about it, if you have bipolar, this is what this mental health person said to us yesterday. It is two people living in one body. And you're hearing your your self-talk, like your, you know, like the person that you know that you are. And then you hear another person talking to you in, in there, and it's almost like two people living in one body. And for you to say, as someone who doesn't struggle with that, who doesn't have that illness, to say, just pray it away. Just give it to God. It's so dismissive. It's right. so it's so dis- it's dismissive, and it's something that we, because we dismiss it because we don't understand it. And so we say, if we dismiss it, then it's not important anymore because I rejected it. It's not real. It's not important. And, I mean, that's just childish. Mm-hmm. That's just super childish. Right. And I feel like a lot of people, it's a behavior like that. Like you mentioned, Brian, of, you know, kind of making fun of things of, like, being like, oh, she's crazy, or, like, mm-hmm. oh, it must be, like, bipolar, yeah. and just, like, making light of things. I think for a lot of people, it's just out of either lack of knowledge or just pure ignorance, mm-hmm. you know, on their part of not really understanding it. And I did hear that a lot about things like that, you know, growing up in the church where it's like, oh, if you're, like, depressed, and it's like, you just got to, like you know, pray, mm-hmm. pray it away. And it's like, you're depressed because of the spiritual warfare mm-hmm. and, you know, you're just being attacked by demonic forces and you just need to pray it away. Yeah. And one thing I remember, I didn't remember it a whole lot. So I had to actually Google it because it happened in 98. Um, so I was in middle school at the time, but this is an article that the New York times posted um, so I'm from a small town in South Dakota, Pierre, South Dakota, um, which is the capital. It's like 13,000 people. But there was a time where for the population of, of the town that like per capita, there was a lot of suicides and I couldn't remember how many. So I was just looking up here. There was a suicide and one of it was also a murder suicide where um, a girl um, broke up with her um with her boyfriend and then he was obviously struggling with with some stuff you know very deeply and he ended up killing her and then killing himself and the article actually said it was the first murder he was the first murderer in that town in like nine years but um what was posted on here so this was over the course of those last three years so from 95 to 98 11 people from 13 to 23 years old including eight teenagers have killed themselves about 13 times the national rate at 13 per 100,000 population per year. So, I mean, just that thing, about 13 times the national rate, just in those three years of suicides of, of young adults and teenagers. And I don't know how many times I look on my Facebook page and I see, you know, there's... You know, whether it's about suicide or just people dealing with, like, bullying and stuff. And as you can hear, Ava's here, too. <laughs> can you say hi? Hi. Say, <laughs> say I'm Ava. I'm Ava. There. A little late to the roll call, but there she is. Yeah. <laughs> but of, of people that, you know, are bullied because of these, of, you know, mental mental health things that they're going through or people who don't want to, you know, speak up about it. And if you think about it, you go to the dentist, you go to the doctor for your eyes, you know, for, you know, whatever, for every little, you know, thing 
physically or if you're not feeling well physically, you know, and you tell your boss, hey, I need to take a sick day, you know, I'm not feeling well, like I'm catching a bad cold. It's like, oh, yeah, no one kind of says anything. No one, no one says, well, well, you're not taking care of yourself well enough because you're not physically well. But, but if it's mental health issues, you know, it's kind of almost like, oh, well, I need a mental health day. And then people are just kind of like, oh, you know, yeah. like they're like making emotion like towards their head, like, oh, they're crazy. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, just just kind of like. Or like, oh, I have an appointment. Like, oh, you know, I have an appointment, you know, to go see, like, my therapist. So, like, I need to, like, right. I need to, like, oh. I need to push this meeting back. Then people are kind of like, oh, your therapist. Like, what's wrong, you know? Mm. And just making, like, all these all these comments. Mm. And the I, stigma around Yeah, it. I feel like things have gotten better compared to, um, I don't know how many years ago, but just just from in the past you know mm. with mental health but i feel like we still have a long way to go yeah even just like from the 60s to mm-hmm. now or like late like think of like Mad Men, you know like don draper type thing like like it's it's just yeah, the stigma around it is yeah it's sickening. Yeah, well i thanks so much for sharing your story yeah. Yeah. that was really um it's painful to hear that and that and very um um so um, extremely irresponsible and dangerous of yes. people to tell someone to get off medication. I, I um, and um, very hard to watch that. I'm yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that um, I think in general that that group, of course, and churches in general, um, I think. There is a need for um, more, like taking um, mental health professionals more seriously, and having more mental mental health professionals in churches, mm-hmm. um, social workers, psychologists on staff, um, in and 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 church schools too. I I. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was really glad to hear you, Brian, talking about. Um, was that at, at a church you were at where there yeah, was my a home mental? Church. Yes, a mental health professional coming in. That's um, that's really encouraging. Where it starts. Yes, just being it's, taught about this. Yes, yep, very encouraging, and and to have that valued that 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 working with um, people with mental illnesses is very hard. And it is it it's it requires training, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of knowledge that you that Absolutely. that goes um, that is needed, and that valuing that I, I I don't I don't I didn't I didn't sense that in the church I was raised in that that's valued, and um, I definitely didn't um, in the school in the school I went to I went to a Baptist school, and I think that would be it's a very um, uh, it's really important to have that be in churches, yeah. mm-hmm. mental health professionals. I think, yeah, mm-hmm. totally, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then, then you wouldn't ha- then people would know like the, the situation you have. People don't they have no they're clueless and yeah. they're acting really irresponsibly. But if you have somebody right. there who uh, has um, some knowledge about the situation, yeah, it you know that makes me think, Rachel. Like there almost is to a degree in my experience is almost a competing. Um, worldview with like like it, it, let's say in in the example that I gave, if this organization or one like it were to have a mental health professional come in, 
they would probably be disregarded. Mm-hmm. You know, they'd probably say, oh, they this is, you know, quackery or I don't know what, the, whatever, yeah. you know, the term is. They, they would, I, I suspect that the leaders of that organization mm-hmm. would say, oh, this this is, if not demonic, um, misguided at the very least. I suspect that they would say, you know, like they would disregard it and, and say uh, they're just espousing some, uh, you know, some worldly take on things that we know are actually, you know, spiritually spiritual warfare related or, or demonic or whatever. Yeah. It seems it seems like the, it comes down to, um, like if 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 I went to if I had diabetes and I went to IHOP, mm. I doubt they would say stop taking your insulin. <laughs> we need to put hands on you yeah. and pray it away. Yeah, because that's something that is. More physical. It's like, okay, you have this. Here's right. this evidence. It's physical. Okay. Thank God. Literally, mm-hmm. thank God for doctors and medicine because now we have a way to, like, help you. Treat it, yeah. But with mental illness, it's almost like I think there's this sense from a lot of conservative Christians that meant, like, there's this division between, like, body, like, spirit and body. Mm. And... The mind is spiritual, and so any problem there that's spiritual is something that is God, demonic, spiritually related, Mm -hmm. and saying that there can be medicine for it, right, it's like, okay, well, that's not, that's like worldly, that's like, if you say that you can do that, then you don't need God, because Mm -hmm. now now, now we're just a physical body, and we don't have a spiritual part, and I think that's where a lot of this comes from, is... Is that if you say, okay, no, we've got, we can use medicine for this. It's like, okay, well, now you're taking away the spiritual part mm. of this person, the spiritual part of me, and that's, I think that's where a lot of this comes from. And so there's, there's maybe it's rooted in, honestly, it's it, it feels like it's rooted in kind of like a a fear of insecurity. Like, yeah. Oh, I'm scared. If that if that can be, then I don't know where. Mm. If I say I know that I'm part spiritual and part physical but now you're telling me i'm all physical now i'm scared i don't know how that works i don't know how that fits with my worldview and so i'm going to reject it right um and so i think not only like you said earlier that it's from a place of like lack of knowledge or maybe ignorance i think more so it's a lack of empathy interesting yeah um especially if you don't have personal experience with mental illness right um Brian was saying earlier that like 25% of people have melted illness and half of them aren't diagnosed or don't know. Yeah. I was one of those people before this year. Um, earlier this year I was diagnosed with, um, clinical depression and generalized anxiety, um, which gave me so much clarity and like so much, Mm. um, like, like such a, like, Yeah. Of like, oh, <laughs> this explains right. so much. Yeah. Like, it's not cured, but now you know what was happening. Exactly, yeah. and then like being able to have medication and see like the mm. the very very tangible positive results of being on medication, totally. and getting treatment, and seeing a therapist. Um, and it's not it's not like this thing that's separate from spirituality or like religion it's like it's it's all tied up in that and so i think that it's really 
sad and harmful when people get this like knee jerk response of like, oh, that's I don't know how to deal with that, so I'm just gonna say like, pray it away. Yeah, is is like so damaging and so damaging, yeah. traumatic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I want to throw this out. This I'm not going to say her name. This mental health person, just because I d- didn't get her permission. But if I do, um, I'll see if we can put this on. Show notes or something. Yeah. Um, she's uh, ordained in the tradition that I am, the United Church of Christ. And I found this out, um, and this is very saddening for the rest of denominations. But the United Church of Christ is the only denomination. Not just mainline Protestant, but even evangelicals, that actually has a national alliance on mental health. Mm. We're the only denomination, as currently, that actually has a in our national office, which is in Ohio, that actually has staff members that help prepare churches. You know, have workshops and, and brings mental health professionals to talk, not just to pastors, because one of like people don't realize that pastors are very high uh, with mental illness, anxiety, OCD, depression, whatever, because we hear everyone else's issues, yeah. which is mm-hmm. important. And that's yeah. that's a role yeah. of a minister. It comes with empathy, I think. Yeah, you know? but I mean, then people don't realize connected. we're human beings too. So I, I and one of the caveats she said was to to talk about it is we need to take the stigma of mental illness away. Totally. And how you take the stigma away is to talk about it. We're, none of us here are mental health professionals, but I think all of us have either dealt with it, have it, or know people that are in the midst of, of that. I know, yeah. I mean, I got diagnosed with situational anxiety, and some people might be like, well, is that really anxiety? Yeah, it's real to me. And the situation that I have, in certain situations that I'm in, I get to that anxiety, and it's like the whole world is just like a blur. And I don't need, like, I was on medication for it, and literally what the medication did was just, it's like dimming the lights. And what it did that to my brain. It was like my brain was, I used to go to bed thinking, like, like my brain just couldn't fall asleep. And to this day, I still take over the counter sleeping pills to help me sleep. And my doctor's okay with it, but I used to take other medication. And when I still tell my family about it, they're like, well, you don't really have... Because they're like, I don't want my kid or my brother or whatever to have a mental illness. But it's not our choice, you know, if we have it. <laughs> However, what this pastor was saying, she was she's an ordained minister, but she's also um, a psychiatrist. And before she became a pastor, she actually worked um, out of state in a different state. She's not from Minnesota, in a psychiatric hospital. And so she's like, you see a lot of A through Z of stuff what's going on. and But she's like, from a, a biblical, scriptural standpoint, she's like, get this. She was like, there's seven instances of suicide in the Bible. Seven. Which is actually quite a lot, if you think about it. And out of those seven instances, what does Jesus say about that? And she asked our group, and all of us were kind of like looking like, what? She's like, it says nothing. Jesus says nothing about it. The apostles, Paul, none of those people ever talk about it. And she's like, the reason the Bible is silent about it is because we don't really know how to deal with it. Even thousands of years ago, 
we don't know how to deal with it. And she's like, it's not saying that Jesus doesn't care. And she was like, as a pastor, she's like, if someone is struggling with suicide, you can try your hardest to say, hey, you know, don't kill yourself. That's not always the case. But she's like, I don't think Jesus, she's like, literally from from a pastoral standpoint and from a mental health practitioner standpoint, you could say, like, I don't think Jesus wants you to kill yourself because you're a beautiful and wonderful creation and God loves you. Um, but she's like, it's striking that you have all these different kinds of Christians, I would say predominantly conservative, evangelical, or fundamentalist, that will say, Jesus says this, 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 and this. But if you go to the text and read those stories, it's just kind of like they have their story like this person died. And Jesus doesn't really say anything about it. It's just like they wrote it down. They're like, here you deal with it what you deal. And literally all of our understanding about suicide, at least in the church, is all human construct. Mm -hmm. We've made it up. And then we stamp Jesus on it. We stamp Christianity on it. And we have to look at it and say, because, you know, so many Christians are like, well, it's in the Bible, so I believe it. Or it says in the Bible you shouldn't, you know... Um, you know, cheat on your spouse. You shouldn't do, you know, A through Z. And you're like, yeah, okay. But then when it comes to suicide, it's like the Bible is very quiet about it. And she was like, and that just struck me. Like, I got goosebumps when she said that. And I was like, huh. So why, because she said, how many of us in this room were told that one of the most unforgivable sins is killing yourself? I was taught that. I was taught that if you kill yourself... It's like you have a special place in hell because why would you kill yourself? It's bad enough if you murder someone else, but why would you do it to yourself? And she was like, that is not biblical. She's like, it's not biblical because the Bible is so quiet about it. And and I was just struck there and it made me mad because I had a, uh, a high school classmate that killed himself. I had someone that I was in like a small group with who's actually a leader and went home one night after we were done leading these kids, you know, in the service, and he killed himself. And so I look at all these things, and I'm like, they're not in hell. They're struggling with something that they couldn't control. And I bring all this up, and I know it's a lot of information, but I, I want us to realize, and even to all the listeners, is that when we talk about suicide, which I would say would be like the ultimate kind of end of mental illness if you can't get the help the medication whatever you need that's like that the finality but it and it's not that the bible's quiet because we shouldn't try to look for certain answers in the bible maybe i'm not saying that all the answers are in the scripture but it i even feel like what i love about scripture is we go there for answers but sometimes there's no answers there because I don't think the Bible needs to always give us all the answers. We shouldn't go there and be like, oh, yeah, I, I shouldn't do this because it says this here. A and, lot of times there's no answer. Right, exactly. And I think one the one instance that I can remember in the Bible of someone killing himself is Judas. After Judas betrays Christ. And I think, if I'm I, maybe it's a little foggy, There's I think there's two variations of there how he killed himself. One was that he hung himself from a tree. The other one was that he literally... Um, engorged himself like on like in essence like a barbed wire, and because he was so remorseful of what he did, Jesus was his friend. He was a disciple, and he did that. But and I, if I remember that right, it it 
it, it just kind of ends with that. It wasn't like, well, see, and, and Judas went to hell, and da 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 da. It was just like, and Judas, and Judas did. It was like Judas did this, and that's the end of the story. And I find how we as humans, especially as Christians, and I'm not saying myself, but Christianity in general, we like to put uh, these truthful statements on unverifiable truths mm-hmm. or half truths or untruths where we'll be like well see that makes me uncomfortable that the bible is quite on suicide so therefore it must be wrong because da 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 which we can't do that i think if i'm remembering right i think a lot of the reason that suicide was such became such a bad sin in the catholic church was that um it was a way it was a way to keep basically keep seats keep bodies in the pews mm. um hmm. at a time where there would be a lot of legitimate reason for people to want to feel like they had no other option than suicide um little side note i think a better not to not to criticize you brian but i think a better terminology is to like when someone dies from a suicide, it's like, say that, rather than they killed themselves. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah you're right. You're uh, right. But w- at a time where a lot of people, f- there would have been that, that would have felt like their only option. Yeah. Yeah. Now the church says, you can't do that, otherwise you're it's unforgivable. Now that keeps them kind of like, in, uh, to, to like use harsh language, like enslaved to the church. Right. Um, you know, in the Middle Ages when when that was kind of instituted. And so you could point to papal corruption, the church and the state being in bed together, like all these things that are that are definitely not scriptural or like honest spiritual kind of teachings is where we've gotten a lot of this stuff around around that because I think that's a a more that's like a more honest portrayal of why we have the current view like spiritual mm. moral views of suicide that we do mm. mm-hmm. yeah I think my I just my current understanding of Christ is different than what this you know we're talking about with uh, what what has come out of from people and the church it is that un like un, un well, unconditional compassion mm-hmm. for all and it, it, of course and that includes everyone um all um and anyone who's suffering from mental illness um and it's just like un like um beyond what i can understand of the compassion that is there that's mm-hmm. my I, that yeah, that reminds me, like, so something right at the beginning that you said, Caleb, where you were saying, you're you're entitled to your own belief about spirituality or whatever, which I agree with to a point. Yeah. I think it can get dangerous. I'm just trying not to piss people off. I yeah, know. I know. I'm I know. trying to be diplomatic. Here. Right. But I think it's important to address that there, sh- there should be very serious boundaries to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Just like with, I think boundaries are so important with like relationships, with oh, beliefs, yeah. with religion, with politics. Like all, you can say that there's like, 
Like, you need to have boundaries. Yeah. Like, you need to have boundaries for yourself. You have boundaries for others. Yeah. And if you get to a place where you say, you can you can believe whatever you want, that's fine. Right. There has to be some sort of boundary. Otherwise, you get right. to Westboro Baptist Church. Or you yeah. get to cults. You yeah. get to someone say, well, my spiritual belief is that I should kill you. Yeah. Okay, that's not helpful. You can't hold that. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's almost always My like- spiritual belief is that God hates fags. Okay, I don't know. That's not healthy. Right. You can't hold that belief. Yeah, I think it's, so it's, there the old, is, it's the old adage of like until it infringes upon somebody else's freedom. It's almost like the libertarian thing. Like you can right. do what you want, you know, up to the point that it affects right. Like people. up to the point where you're telling someone to just like go cold turkey on their mental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. right, 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 yeah, yeah. And I'm glad you said that. I'm gonna open another can of worms a little bit do here. It. I Uh-oh. think. Um, really? uh, just that you honestly also alluded to this earlier, Eric, that kind of sparked the, th- the thought in my head was uh, you were talking about how, oh, like, there's the spiritual and there's the physical, and so we address spiritual issues with spiritual remedies kind of thing. But I don't know if it's that clear-cut because I have uh, a, a, a former co-worker who I'd still call a friend who has looked me dead in the eye and, and, and sworn straight up that he once was in a prayer room there and was involved with laying hands on an amputee who had a leg grow back. So this this person, who's a smart individual who I respect, told me that he was involved with a prayer in which he saw a man's leg grow back. So I don't know if it is just spiritual remedies for or, or, or spiritual um, prescriptions right. for spiritual needs. And I'm going to just crack this can of worms open too. The whole pray the gay away thing. Oh, like God. as as a queer person, as a bisexual man, I can say being saturated with these ideas of um, of I I am I have I have sinned or I'm lacking or I'm not well, and so um, that is a symptom of my lack of spiritual wellness or 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 general wellness um, is toxic and especially when you're vulnerable be it from mental health be it from cultural expectations be it from even just your age or the place in life where you're at if you're vulnerable at all these messages can very easily uh infiltrate your worldview and poison you and so i i just yeah, I, I think that I, I'm not disregarding what you said earlier, Eric, about like, oh, yeah, it's it's like the, I was just trying to find a spiritual answer for a spiritual issue. I don't think it's just limited to that. No, no. And I mean, I, I agree. Um, I think I think that has like a huge anchor and then it kind, yeah, of, like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. It kind of spreads mm-hmm. out from there. Yeah. Like I said, I'm cracking open a new can of worms. Yeah. I'm aware of that. Yeah. Um, An amputee's leg grew back. That's what he told me. He was fully convinced of it. He, I don't think he was. He was. I don't think that he thought he was lying. I don't know. We used to work as you know, sound and, engineers and in the same not, church. And I'm going to throw this out here. I grew up Pentecostal. That's what this some of the God is under that. Pentecostals, you know, go back to you know Acts two. They're an Acts two church. You know, the fire coming down. They're speaking in tongues. There was a thing called the Pensacola revival. If anybody remembers that, that back in the mid '90s, it was at an AG church um, down in Pensacola, Florida. 
uh, a lot of Assemblies of God churches, and not just the Assemblies of God churches, but Baptist churches. Well, maybe not Baptist, because they, they thought the Pentecostals were a little out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember going... <coughs> what I'm trying to say is, and I'm not saying that I believe the story per se. Oh, boy. Of, of what you... Of, but, there's a but coming. Of, 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 <laughs> oh, I man. No. But, but I'll, I'll say this. I saw a finger grow back. No, finger. No, it's not that. Finger but, nail. <laughs> I think a lot of times, I would say a lot of us would probably say it that weeks, we're progressive, <laughs> like progressive Christians, or we've deconstructed and whatever. I've, I tend to be very skeptical of people when they say stuff like, oh, I was in this prayer room and I saw a person's leg grow back. I mean, I was on a missions trip to England and I was taught, you know, or not taught, but I was brought into this back room with all these pastors and was supposed to, like, pray this, like, demon-possessed guy. And we were prayed, and we prayed, we were there for, like, two hours, and apparently this demon, I didn't see a demon, I didn't hear this demon, but apparently this guy was, like, the demon possession left. I don't really remember that, but what I'm trying to say is when you look at Scripture, if you... If we look at certain things in the scripture, whether you think it's right or wrong, there are miracles that happen in scripture. There is that miraculous point. Like, if you believe, you know, a lot of progressives are like, oh, well, yeah, great. Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine. Ha, ha, ha. You know, he made, he, he took water into wine and it was cultural to have wine at weddings, whatever. But then you, you, you also see where, you know, this, this demon-possessed guy... Jesus came and put the the demons into the pigs, and the pigs ran over the cliff. And people are like, "Well, I don't know if that really happened." My whole point is saying that there are miracle stories because there's a part of Christianity, a stream of Christianity, a part within Scripture that's like, "Hey, believe in the unbelievable," because maybe the unbelievable can happen. And I'm not saying with mental illness per se. This is just like. Caveat, so I don't want anybody to think like, oh, are you just trying to say that you can pray your mental illness away? I'm not saying that, but I'm my point is saying that there are things that I think a lot of progressive left leaning people are like, oh well that all that crap is not real. But there are millions of people in the world who adhere to Christianity who are like, No, like this loved one, I knew that they were dead. I prayed, I interceded for them, and there's no other reason that they're alive because we did this. So I want to say, like, we we can be skeptical, we can be doubtful, but if those stories in Scripture aren't important, A, why are they in there? And B, why do still millions of people believe in that and that works? I'm just, that, you know what I'm saying? And I'm, yeah, not, and I'm not saying, and I'm not saying, and I know you could disagree with me, and that's fine, and this is maybe some of my old school Pentecostalism because as much as I want to divorce myself from that it's part of who I am as what made me me but I I do want to say that that I feel like a lot of progressive Christians do forget that miracles are in there and like I said I don't think this person's (laughs) leg grew back per se but I do think what was that person who uh, I'm trying to think what or what part of the Bible is and maybe help me Eric that the, the lame person who wanted to see Jesus when Jesus was teaching Got lowered through the ceiling yeah and was lowered mm-hmm. through the ceiling and it was pretty much like Jesus was like yeah like rise up and walk and like I walked or the woman who you know was like hemorrhaging she was bleeding 
and she had this terrible disease, and she literally touched Jesus's, you know, robe or whatever, and he was like, "Who touched me?" And I was like, "Me." And you know, he was like, "We're he- you're healed." Like, are, do we take those things and we're like, "Meh, that's not really real," or do we say that we believe if you're a Christian that we believe in a powerful deity that such things can happen? That's a good question, Brian. But I got to challenge you, man. Like, no, that's fine. I'm not yeah, saying yeah. I. Hey, I'm not saying great. I fully believe it. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that there, just, there is that part in scripture. Yeah, and I appreciate the stories of scripture, and I appreciate those narratives, and I appreciate what they represent. And if we're gonna, I think, take a similar approach to its to what it sounds to me like you're saying, and apply it to the topic of mental health, then. If you look at, I don't know, the story of Legion, you're talking about the pigs being, or the demons being mm-hmm. cast into the pigs. Who are you? We are Legion. And then Christ casts, the, you know, the demons into the pigs. I'm assuming that we, we all know the story, which I probably shouldn't assume. For us, well, you kind of just recapped it. So. Or listeners, yeah. So there's yeah. a guy possessed. Um, I don't know. Sounds to me like that person, if that is a um, factual telling of a, of a, of a situation, it sounds like that person maybe had. Disassoci- disassociative identity identity disorder, you know, then maybe that person had a mental illness, and then it sounds to me almost like if you're going to uh, take that approach to interpreting that story, then then yeah, Jesus lays hands and casts out that demon, and now this person no longer has that mental affliction, that that mental illness, and if we're going to apply it like that in such a literal and um maybe an attempt at a pragmatic interpretation then that's that i don't like that it does not sound good to me being like you know um that's exactly it it seems to me like the people who i am referring to in in the anecdote that i opened this up with would say oh that's setting jesus is modeling the behavior of dealing with mental illness by saying you know leave this person you know or i i I rid you of this affliction it, that's my initial reaction. To, but to, do you yeah, think? Please. Do you think uh, I'm going to call them eye hoppers? Okay. <laughs> do you think an eye hopper would Coin say about that story? Yeah. Oh yeah, this is a story about mental illness. No. My my feeling is that they would say this is a story about a demonic possession, yeah. and it's literally right. a demon. Right. Yes. And those are the same people's telling my close friend, my loved one. You don't. You're not bipolar, or what? What the doctors tell you is bipolar is just demonic right. possession. Oh, okay. So they're saying that yes, it is, oh, directly. Okay. Yes. And I don't want you to think that I just threw that out there. I know. Saying I believe that, and I'm not saying but that. I don't that want you're us to get so that. off. Tra- I don't right. want us to get so off track to um, say that. And I would. I would agree. I think that the whole Legion story. I think that is somebody who had probably struggled with mental illness uh-huh. but it's so like I said it's so easy to slap oh that person was demon possessed or that person was this and so there's all these Christians because we don't understand it so we're like we're just gonna slap it on something we understand which yeah. is not that we understand demon possession <laughs> yeah, quote, unquote, but understand. We, we understand that better than oh this person had disassociative identity yeah. disorder I think that I get value this is and I don't want to get too stuck on this specific tangent but I want to just make a point that I do find value in those stories, but I do not find value in those stories when talking about health, be it physical or mental. Mm-hmm. I think that there is value in saying Christ, this this archetype of love and selflessness, approached a, an afflicted person 
and who, who was outcast from their society and showed them love and through some mystical exchange mm-hmm. was able to bring them back into the fold. Yeah. However, if we're talking about mental health and we're talking about this is a person with, you know, uh, what's it called? Disassociative identities. They, they used to call it multiple personality syndrome, mm-hmm. but they changed the name. Anyway, uh, approaching it from that standpoint, which which is the filter that I am using for this conversation, I find no value in that. At right. Because mm-hmm. it's it, then it it seems dismissive. Yes. It's right. like, oh, well, if Jesus is here, he could cure you, but right. he's not, so you're fine. So, yeah, and, and then, oh, yeah, so we'll model what Jesus did and we'll be the right. vessel for Jesus right. and we'll lay hands on you. Yeah, and I don't, like, I'm personally at a point where I don't feel comfortable taking a stance one way or the other what I think about miracle stories in the Bible mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, if I think they're true or if I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I think I lean more towards the side of them being um, symbolic or metaphorical or allegorical. Mm-hmm. Like, not, mm-hmm. not there was a specific person, individual woman, who touched a specific individual man's cape, mm-hmm. and there was a specific moment in time mm-hmm. where the power was transferred. transferred. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That seems like it just it seems, uh, but like to turn to to twist it and say here's a archetypal metaphorical really deep meaning story that has like some really valuable meaning. Yeah, that is much more meaningful. Right. And so I don't know if it's if it's literally factually exactly true or not and i think that it might be more powerful if it's not mm-hmm. i agree yeah. i just don't want people to think that i'm i just brought up a, a devil's i should have said yeah, the no, devil's, yeah. devil's advocate because you know i'm not we, even trying to talk about the factuality of these stories mm-hmm. no yeah i know but yeah. i i do what we've gotten feedback not necessarily like online but certain people who have listened and you know we've we've actually we had my brother on back almost a year ago um and we've actually had people saying like we like that you have sometimes more conservative voices because uh you're just talking to the choir if you're just like oh you're progressive you're liberal blah 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 blah. yeah and so i i brought up the the miracle portion because i don't believe most of the miracles quote unquote in the bible i'm like you eric like are they metaphorical or are they allegorical? Probably more than that. But there are millions of Christians mm-hmm. in the world who... Yeah, is, you're bringing up a... That, that, yeah, I, that is God's gospel truth to them. And I, what I, my point, and one other thing I was going to pinpoint off of that, not pinpoint, piggyback off, is when we look at Scripture, and especially when it was written and how it was written, that was a very uh, story culture. Most men oh, yeah. and women did not know how to read or write. Very few people actually knew how to write. And a lot, like, you just think how, you know, sometimes we probably all grew up hearing stories around a campfire or whatever. Mm-hmm. That is legitimately how scripture and these stories happened. Where and you, not only you that, have, they weren't, they weren't, these stories and oral traditions and, like, yeah. mythology and stuff weren't in a vacuum. There was, like, no, right. multiple other cultures that their own right. things. And so it was, like, yeah. playing off of yeah, all no, of exactly, those, too. 100%. Yeah. And so maybe something that we look at as a miracle now like we are legion and you know whatever or the woman touching the hem of 
I like how you said cape more than like a garment because it made Jesus sound like a superhero. <laughs> like, yeah, I have a superpower. I have a cape. But that maybe, maybe they. I always, I always joke with people how I feel like they look at interpretation is like a game of telephone, where it started maybe out as this, and then we get to the end of it, and you know, with telephone, it's always like, well, it's not even what I said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you put words in my mouth. So maybe I look at it that way too. Um, but there is that part. I mean, why IHOP so like so popular? Why other like why I think Pensacola and and these revivals around the world happen is because there are so many Christians who are like they believe these things are true. I've I've deconstructed in in my faith journey to a point now where I've started reconstructing because um, I feel like you can destruct can deconstruct to a point where you're just like oh, it's, screw it all it sucks. And that's fine if you want to do that. But for me, I was very lonely and in a, you know, kind of like uh, John Christosom would say, you know, in the dark night of the soul, where, like, I just didn't want to be in that part anymore. And so I've had to, like, kind of come come to terms with, like, I might not understand these miracle stories. I might not think that they're true. Uh, but maybe they can teach us something if we don't believe that they're true. Yeah, that's fine. Just not about... Not, not medication. A, so, yeah, no, yeah, no. That's all I'm saying. No, yeah, I, <laughs> I fully agree, Brian. Yeah. No, I know. And, I'm not, know saying, and I'm not saying to you per se. I know, um, but I, I do and and critique that you know my brother who is a Baptist pastor is he was like you know we try and, and Caleb and I always talk off Mike you know we try to like um, we try to like brainstorm it like how we can even make this our podcast. Stronger, better, more listeners, and one of the things we always come back to is having maybe more conservative. Yeah, we voices need more conservative voices, or because we don't want to be in a vacuum. We're in we danger wanna... of being an echo chamber. That's true. Yeah, and and I've li- I've stopped listening to a lot of progressive Christian podcasts because that's what they are is an echo chamber. They're they're stuck in a vacuum, and we don't want to be that. And I would say half the stuff that I've seen in my young life. I'm only 36 years old, but. You know, being in these revival services, I would when I went to Pensacola, I thought it was really real. All these things happen. I thought I saw people get, you know, demons knocked out of them and people like slain in the spirit. Now that I'm older and I, because I, I was 15 when I went down there, I think a lot of it was, uh, you know, a show was an act. But there are still those millions of people who are like, that's not a show, that's not an act, and that's real. Yes, and I think going back to mental illness. The, I feel like since we don't see, they don't talk about mental illness in the Bible. Let's be honest; like they don't. the The, the writers of the scriptures don't, don't talk have about the term. right. They did. No one knew what serotonin was. Right. No one knew what dissociative identity disorder was. Mm-hmm. No one knew anxiety or clinical depression. Maybe if they did, it wasn't written down in scripture. And so we we add so much into the scripture. Um, and maybe when we look at miracles, we add stuff in there. And when we look at mental illness, it's that same human construct where we're like, we're so positive that we're like, yep, this is in here. This is in scripture that we we read things into it, which is ISO Jesus. We, you know, we're we're interpreting the text of what we want it to be. I mean, using kind of a theology, you know, seminary where like that ISO Jesus where. We're making it like I, I, like I'm putting, you know, my own interpretation and spin on it. And that's just not right. In a way, it'd, it'd almost be like saying, what did Jesus say about driving a cars? Right. <laughs> what did Jesus say about watching TV? <laughs> that's pretty good. 
You know, and people try to do that. People try to like say, okay, well, this, and he said this, and so that means you shouldn't watch The Simpsons. And it's like, okay, well, that's a big leap. Jesus didn't say shit about the TV or driving cars or. It didn't exist. Right. Just like, I mean, mental, mental illnesses existed, but like the terminology and understanding and like awareness of them didn't. And so to try to take writings from a time and place where the conversation that we're having today didn't exist is like trying to say, what did God say? What did Jesus say about driving a car? Yeah. No, I, I agree. We've kind of went all over the place. In a good way, I'm not yeah. saying it in a bad yeah. way. Did you have anything else? I feel like you were going to... Okay, no. sorry. I thought you were going to say something. Yeah. I want to um, make sure we're cutting you off. I, I We're going to wrap up with this portion, and then we're going to kind of do, like, recommendations and maybe kind of like a yearly recap, because this will probably be our last one for the year, which I can't believe we're already done with another whole year. But two things that I thought would be really important, just um, uh, resources... For um, for people, um, is there is it's called NAMI the acronym, but the it's for the National Alliance on Mental Illness, Um, and if you there's not like like a one eight hundred number, but what you do is you just go to Google whatever your search engine is, and you just type in the National Alliance on Mental Illness. You put your zip code in, and they'll uh, show you in your vicinity. Uh, what office or where you can go and honestly whether you any of our listeners if you you personally are dealing with mental illness you know someone that is you want to get them help yourself help really 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 please search out you know this amazing um, resource Um, also seriously uh, there's no shame in therapy there's no shame in going to a psychiatrist there's no shame in going to a counselor. There's no shame going to a pastor if you feel like going to a pastor. Um, I wouldn't say there's no shame in going to a therapist. Yeah. I'd say there's like there's stigma. So much benefit. Like yeah. saying there's no shame is like it's okay. Like, it's shoes. okay. Okay. So, yeah. Sorry. It's like it's, super it's beneficial. good. Yeah. It's, it's very beneficial. It's Phenomenal. There's no shame in eating a salad. There's no shame. <laughs> There's no shame in gain of checkup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad Eric's here because he's correcting some of my <laughs> language that probably is no. And I'm not. I'm saying that as no, a that's great. Yeah. As a, as a that's negative. why we thrive like this, um, yeah. right? And see, what I love about our. I'm just going to say this for our group is even sometimes when we get a little contentious, it's always in like I feel like in empathy, in love. Oh, from totally. A, in, in from a care. place of love, yeah. Yeah, and and we and I think that's what makes the sacred collective grow. At least physical, like our physical people here. Um, but the last last thing I want to say is um, there's also a national suicide prevention um, telephone number. Very good. Um, and that is one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. I'll say that again. One eight hundred two seven three 8255 24 hours a day call it if you have suicidal ideation suicidality you know someone that might be struggling with that obviously talk with them um people want you around i'll say yeah. that to any listener yeah. yeah there's there are people who want you around i will here i'll share a quick little story so Please. i went to um earlier this year i did an 8 week intensive outpatient treatment program for depression and anxiety mm-hmm. which was phenomenal 
Um, best thing I've ever done for myself. Yeah. Um, but one of the guys that I was in that group, it was like group therapy, like every day. Um, he had just come from an inpatient program, like a hospitalization program. Um, he, and this, I'll give like a little trigger warning. There's like suicidal ideation stuff coming up here. Um, not even ideation, but he, he went into the inpatient program because he, one of his friends had called him while he had the barrel of a handgun in his mouth. Mm. Um, and so he, that like his friend, and it was like coincidental that his friend had called him. Mm-hmm. So his friend calling him like interrupted his action, mm. um, got to talking, checked himself into um, the psych ward. And then I was in um, this outpatient program with him for eight weeks and like got to know him pretty well. And like, even just in that, I was like, able to say like i'm really glad you're here like i'm glad that we have like gotten to like do this program together Mm -hmm. um so even that like someone that i didn't know and haven't really communicated with since like people want you around yeah um and it's suicidal ideation isn't something that should like make you feel so much shame that you don't get help for it that you don't Mm, talk about it or that you don't Like, like, um, if you have a good friend, they're not going to, they're not going to not be your friend if they find out that you have suicidal ideation. Um, and it's one of those things that can be so isolating. Yeah. So don't let it be. Mm -hmm. Well put, Eric. Thank you. It's really good, Eric. So yeah, um, check out those two um, resources, and obviously, I mean, I'm sure you can go online and find resources too. But those are the two that um, I was kind of left with yesterday, and I think all of us here would agree that the world's a much better place with you in it. Mm-hmm. And if you um, you know you're struggling with mental illness, or you have it, or a loved one, or close person, a friend, a coworker, whatever. Um, Help them get the help that they mm-hmm. need. Um, and let's all be proactive about uh, deflating the stigma around yeah, mental illness. Yeah. Because even the language that we use and the energy that we bring to the table with these conversations affects it, you know? Absolutely. And, and I really like how you put that, Eric, about, like, feeling shame. I'm not saying that you should or should not feel shame, but... but, but Letting the shame that you feel around suicidal ideation get in the way of you even just expressing it. I'm not going to say even looking for help, but you expressing it to someone. Um, that's that's a very tragic dynamic, mm-hmm. I think. And, and yeah, let's just all try to make the world a better place. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, pivot. I mean, it's kind of a heavy topic we talked about. Obviously an important topic. Um, our last of the year recommendations. Um, usually, um, we usually do two or up to two, or else we could probably be <laughs> be here all night. Yeah. Um, anybody want to start first? I mean, if I have a couple in, you know, ready to go, but yeah, I don't wanna... I'll start. Go for it. Um, I've got 
three. But Uh-oh. they're they're related. Uh-oh. They're That's related. Fine. That's fine. Um, my first one's like general. I my first recommendation is if you have never seen a therapist, do it. It's That's a good one. Good recommendation. Awesome. <laughs> um, related is there's a podcast, mm-hmm. a mental health podcast called My Good Bad Brain, mm-hmm. which is really fun. Um, I got to check that out. Yeah. So it's like yeah, it's a mental <laughs> health podcast that it's like funny and witty and like fun. Yeah. So it's good. Um my unrelated to our conversation recommendation is The Mandalorian. Oh. Um, the it's, a, new, it's a new Star Wars show. Fantastic. The new... The new um, the fir- is it the first live it's action It's the first show? live action series. Star. It's series. the first Star Wars live action series. It's worth it's Disney Plus. It's on Disney Plus. Plus. It's worth Disney Plus just, just for that. Is it really yes. good? I really want to see it. No. It's John Favreau. Did so it. good. Uh, really? Yeah. Like he he. It's really like a. It. It's like it's a, a western. Yeah. It's oh, like yeah. a western set in the Star Wars universe. You could have no understanding or no like have never seen anything Star Wars, and you huh. could watch it and you'd be fine. Cool. Yeah. Like you'd it's there's about like hunter. Something there's like little just, Easter yeah. eggs and stuff that you yeah. wouldn't like get references, but you would absolutely be able to follow the story. Like you could totally follow. It's like a sci-fi western. Got like. It's got like hints and pieces of like, like Japanese samurai movies in some mm-hmm. of it. There's like prison heist, cool. almost like spaghetti western. I'm gonna sign yeah, into one of y'all's Disney Plus accounts and watch it before I go to sleep tonight. Yeah, <laughs> I have it on my TV. Do you want to watch uh, it? Kim's gonna stay up all night. <laughs> yes, yes. Binge the whole thing. Rachel, I can go one? next. I'm going to second. Um, I'm gonna copy your first one. And say therapy yeah. as a good is great. is a great recommendation and um, support groups too. Absolutely, um, mm. finding um, support groups are is, is a, that's right for you, and I think that's just a, an amazing thing when you can find mm-hmm. find ones that work well for you. Um, um, I'm gonna don't you don't have to wait to be in crisis to go to a therapist. Yeah, absolutely, oh, that's good. Thank you, and um, I guess I'll also just mention a show that I'm watching on Netflix is Easy. Ooh, I heard that that and was, I really cute. like it a lot, Ooh, and it's um, it. I like the show. Um, they they have like um, they'll have a, a show about you know a couple or a, pers- a, a, a family or whatever, and you'll see one of the character like a side of a minor character in one of those episodes in the next episode. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of they're kind of um, connected. But also separate separate episodes, and I like also the Chicago um, architecture in the background too. Oh, yeah, yeah, beautiful, it's um, a beautiful city. Yeah, it is a beautiful city. Is it set like modern times? Just present? modern times. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yep. And most of it, most of it's downtown. I think there's a couple episodes in in um, suburbia. But have you also. seen? It's season two, episode six. I only know that because I've I've watched it like five times. The one about the young lady who. Um, Donates her money to the yes. church. And then, yes, I was going to. Yeah. Yep, yep. Oh my gosh. I. I That's a, it's a good one. I cry every Don't time I watch that. I'm Don't not going to spoil it. Like every time I watch that episode, it is so. It is so meaningful to me. Yeah, it is. It's a very good episode. It is so deep yep. and just. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. Yeah. Amanda, over there, yeah. you're feeding our daughter. Do you have any recommendations? Yell it loud, Amanda. Disney Plus. Yes. <laughs> Disney Plus. Um, I guess I'll go. I I have. I'm gonna. Paul and Eric can do trace recommendations. I and it's kind of uh, with what Amanda said to Disney Plus. Um, I I don't like Disney is a conglomerate taking over everything, but at the same time, 
I do like it because it's taking some of my favorite things, uh, shows I love. Um, as many of our listeners know that I mean, you hear Ava almost every podcast, except when we're doing interviews. Um, I, I grew up watching the show DuckTales. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Tailspin, Gargoyles, all those shows. Oh, Gargoyles, I forgot about Yeah, show. Gargoyles yeah. on there. Um, and being, Have you seen the new DuckTales? It's kind of bad compared to the original. Yeah, it's a good, good you, voice actor. Yeah, you need a corn... David a lot Tennant. of UCB people. David Tennant's the new Scrooge McDuck. Anyway... <laughs> See, knowing that when I was a little older than Ava watching DuckTales, and now it coming out when she started watching, you know, she was just, she's the same age as when I started watching it. Um, that's just so awesome, just seeing a little kid laugh. Anyway. <laughs> Pure joy. For, for our listeners, my daughter is trying to throw yogurt on, yeah. on her mommy's face. Um, so yeah, Disney Plus, and I mean they have all the Marvel movies on there. They own Star Wars, um, National, National Geographic. Graphic. There's a new show with Jeff, Jeff Goldblum. He's freaking fantastic. That's on that's on uh, one of my lists. And let's be honest, like my daughter loves pretty much any Disney movie on there. So highly, highly recommend. It's only six ninety nine a month. So if you mm-hmm. say you don't have enough money, come on. Um, the other two, there's two shows. One show that Eric actually told me about earlier this year, and I literally binged watch all the seasons. Uh, the show is called The Expanse. Um, it's on Amazon Prime. Uh, it is. I love sci-fi. It's one of like my favorite kind of um, genres, um, and I've watched a lot of sci-fi uh, shows. And uh, the story, the story writing in The Expanse, the cinematography, and, and the thing is, there's not really that many famous people in it. Uh, compared to other shows, but uh, I uh, none really. A couple couple people that I've seen on other stuff, but yeah, you're right. There's not that many that will jump out to you. But it takes place on Earth and in Mars, and it takes place in, in other you know other parts of the galaxy. But it, it's like taking Star Trek and uh, almost like a Western type feel. It's taking uh, how they speak other languages in there with certain. Other people groups like the Inners and, and, and all that stuff. So highly, highly recommend it. Season 4 um, just came out on Amazon. It was a sci-fi show on the Sci-Fi Channel. Sci-Fi canceled it for some stupid reason. And Amazon picked it up after, I think, was after Season 3? Yeah. Within um, a week. Within a week of Sci-Fi yeah, canceling, wow. Amazon picked so it up. So Amazon picked it up. So Amazon, uh, Season 4 is the first one Amazon done. And I think they're... Signed on at least for another season or two. So highly, highly recommend that if you have Amazon Prime. Or get it from a friend who has Amazon Prime <laughs> yeah. to watch it. Um, the other show um, is also on Amazon Prime. Um, Amanda and I have a lot of shows we like differently. But this show that I absolutely love, that Amanda loves too, is um, The Marvelous Miss Maisel. Um, that show is incredible. Um, there it, it takes place in the 50, uh, 60s is that right Amanda in the 60s I believe so um, but it, it kind of takes on like gender roles gender norms um, and I love comedy I love stand up comedy and it's really about a woman who kind of breaks free in 1960s New York um, with all that and becomes a professional stand up comic and it's the cast is phenomenal 
Um, I've never just laughed so hard on a show. I, I thought when it came out, I was like, and Amanda wanted to watch it. I was like, mm, this is going to be kind of cheesy. And it's one of my favorite shows. Uh, so Marvelous Miss Maisel, it's on Amazon Prime as well. Creepy. Ava, did you just say Daddy's Creepy? Ava has a, oh, as a recommendation. Ava, what's your, what, recommendation? what's your recommendation? What are you eating? Pizza. 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 <laughs> what's, what's your favorite show to watch? Daniel, Daniel Tiger. Tiger. What's your favorite movie? Mouse <laughs> Cookie. Oh, if you give a mouse a cookie, that's another favorite show. We watched the Halloween episode three times today, didn't we? Mm. Yeah, it's a trick treat. Do you have another recommendation, Ava? How about Boss Baby? <laughs> no, you love the Grinch, don't you? The new Grinch movie? Yeah, she loves it. Oh, the one with Tyler the Creator did the soundtrack for it? I know, Fer- Pharrell did. Mm. Pharrell Williams did it. I think I'm ready again. How many Grinch movies are there? It's the one that came out last year with Benedict Cumberbatch as the voice of the Grinch. I know Todd Creator did the, one, the yeah. theme song for it. Hmm. Anyway, uh, I will quickly just recommend musical artist Kevin Abstract. You guys familiar with him? Uh, he's really good. He's with a collective called Brockhampton, and they're like a hip hop group, and. Uh, yeah, it's really, really good. He is very outspoken and very open, and I don't know. I don't want to... Yeah, just check it out. It's really good. Just Google his name. And Kevin Abstract. Kevin Abstract. He's really, really good. Um, I don't know. He's, he's kind of, I think, helping change uh, gender dynamics and, and, like, sexuality in uh, hip-hop and, and rap music, so... Yeah. I guess I would say year in review... Um, because I know some of us have to go. I and kind of just thinking the year in review. I feel and Rachel, this is your first time being here. Yeah, thank you for coming, Rachel. So you know, that's what I'm going to plug: talking to people, having friends, having community. Because you've wanted to come, I think, for a little while, and it just popped in my head to, to yeah. reach out to you. I'm so glad that you're here. Yes, thank you. Oh, thank you. Come anytime you want. Yeah, please. Um, um, I would say from when we started recording. Year and a half ago, maybe more. Maybe more. Um, it was at, uh, it was uh, incredibly. Uh, it was like November. It was very uh, discombobulated when we started doing it at Josh's the first time. Um, but just how we've grown, and yes, I'm tooting our own horn for Sacred Collective, but we've grown. We've grown a lot. Toot, toot. We've grown a lot. Uh, so, with so, so, like sound effect. Yeah. Thank you, Eric, for your sound effects. Uh, uh, a man of many talents. Um, so, you know, we, we've interviewed the president of the United Church of Christ, which is awesome. We've interviewed theologians, um, scholars and other things. We've interviewed uh, people from overseas, like two people from London, two pe- uh, a friend of mine who's a pastor in Switzerland, uh, my friend in Holland. Um, we've been, Caleb and I were part, you know, Sacred Collective and Post-Christian Productions of hosting and being um, um, sponsors for an event of our friend here in the cities. So we're, we're just, uh, this 2019 has been a fun year of just positive conversations here in the group itself. But then um, even with um, interviews, and we have, uh, we're booked for January already. Um, actually, content coming out, and we have at least 
four or five interviews scheduled in the books um, for us. And it was nice when Caleb texts me and said, hey, we actually have people who have checked out our podcast and want to be interviewed. Um, and actually, we have somebody from my church who listens, and she's a 74-year-old woman, and she wants to be on and to be part of our community. And I think that's awesome that a 74-year-old woman... The swearing uh, didn't scare her away? No, she loves it. Uh, <laughs> and she gives me a hug and she cries and says, you know, when I work out at the Y, um, every morning I listen. I She's like, I'm not smart enough to have a smartphone, but I put it on my Kindle. And while I'm riding the exercise bike, she's like, I'm crying because Aww. what you guys talk about. Give her a shout like, out. Uh, What's your name? Uh, Renee. I don't know if you're listening, but Renee, uh, you're a wonderful and beautiful human being. Uh, thank you for your kind words and your support and what we're doing. Uh, it's why we do what we do. That's why this was a brainchild that was stuck in my head for years and years. And with people like Caleb and my wife Amanda and for Eric and so many others. Um, and even for Jay, who unbeknownst to me that Caleb told me that um, at Revolution a couple of weeks back said that we're kind of like a sister church um, to Revolution. And I get a little choked up saying it because... Jay has been uh, a really impactful and meaningful person in my life for years and years. Um, and it kind of let me know that it's okay to have a lot of tattoos and uh, listen to punk rock music and be a Christian. Um, so, yeah. So, stay tuned to Sacred Collective in 2020. Um, I think we're going to be bigger and better than what we have been in 2019. So, 2019 has been... Um, a great and fun year, and 2020 and, and beyond will probably be even better. So, um, obviously, rate and review us, if you can, on iTunes um, or wherever you listen to our podcast. Um, we have Instagram. Follow us on Instagram. Uh, it's sacred. Is it sacred underscore MN or just sacred MN? Sacred MN. Just sacred MN. Like us on Instagram. We have a Facebook page. Shout us out. Um, support us on Patreon if you want to. Um, so, yeah. Anybody else have anything they want to say before we check out for the for the year? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a good way to end it, Caleb. Thanks. All right. Bye, microphone. Bye, microphone. Bye, microphone. So, uh, till 2020, we out. Thanks for being part of our conversation. To continue the conversation, find us on social media at SacredMN. If you enjoyed this show, you might also like Loosen the Bible Belt with Kristen Becker and myself, Jay Bain. We're living in a society that's like money buys comfort and ease. Yes. And, and at the core of that, it's trust, right? I mean, at, at the it's a it's a mistrust of of allowing yourself vulnerability. Yeah, and you see both sides doing it. You see the progressives want to be comfortable with their life and say, you know, all conservatives are bad, and then you see the conservatives doing it, and they want their way of life, and they're both seeking comfort. And what we've been talking about doing with the Loosen the Bible Belt podcast and tour is saying we want to create a space where people can come and be uncomfortable and disagree well. And we've lost the art of disagreeing well because we all want to be taken care of and be affirmed. And it's like, you know, when are we going to grow up? 
You know, it's not about being happy and comfortable, not for the progressive and not for the conservative. Yeah. And, and in fact, right, that that tension that we cannot handle actually creates more animosity. Yes. Right. Yes. We begin to dehum- dehumanize the other that we disagree with to the point that we can no longer. I mean, shit, we can't we can't even sit next to each other and worship the deity together. That's pathetic. Superstition. Prayer. Spirituality. That was a post-Christian podcast.